Hey, this is Shane Valenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. So we're, in the, we're starting off a series today called Kingdom Come. And this morning, uh, we're going to look, and all my phone, we're going to look at the lives of people in the Bible who made a who, who had a huge impact, who made a difference in the world around them, and how they did that. Because I don't know if you know this, but we want to be a church that makes a difference. We don't we don't want to just be a, a place in in this shopping center that people are just like, oh yeah, there's a church that meets there. We want people to know who we are by the way that we live, by the things that we do, by the difference that we're making. It would be a it's a sad thing if a church no longer existed and the community never noticed. That's a sad thing. We should be involved. We should have an impact. We should be making a difference. So I want to start by asking you to think of, uh, of a difference maker in your life that you, that you think of, some point it, it, that, had, that had an impact in your life. Someone that you look up to, someone that you view as a person who makes an impact on people, but especially made an impact on you. It could be somebody that you know personally. It could be somebody that you don't know personally, but you read their books or you hear them speak or whatever it may be, right? I, when, I, when I think of like people throughout history who, who had a huge impact on the world around them, we could talk about really famous people like Abraham Lincoln, who had a huge impact on our nation. We could talk about guys like Mahatma Gandhi, who, who fought for peace and independence. And now, there are things that all of these people had that were good, and then all things that these people had that weren't the greatest as well, because guess what? They're people, just like you and I. Um, and then we could talk about uh, guys like Billy Graham, for example, who preached the gospel to more people than anyone in history. More people than anyone in history. At an estimated 2.2 billion people that he preached to. Can you imagine? With an estimated 3.2 million people accepting Christ into their lives at one of his revivals or, or one of his sermons. I mean, that sort of impact is unbelievable. I mean, he, he actually preached to more people than Jesus did. It's wild to think about. Now, the impact, obviously, that Jesus, I'm not saying that Billy Graham is Jesus, but I'm, I'm saying that he, t- he preached to a huge amount of people. And what a privilege it was for, for him to do that. So these sort of people stand out to us, right? They did huge things. We know who they are because they either changed a culture, they changed a country, they changed a nation, they changed a world, they changed a way of life. In other words, they made a difference. They made a difference in the world around them. So in our world today, the church has gotten to a place where, not specifically City on a Hill, but the church as a whole, uh, is having more and more difficulty making a difference in the world around us. It's just the truth. Churches are supposed to lead the way in changing the world, but oftentimes we're years behind. Oftentimes we are reacting to the world instead of being on the cutting edge of the world. Like if you talk to people who don't really attend church, who don't really consider themselves a Christian, and you would say, what's your view of the church? Most people would, would, would suggest that the church is stuck, you know, 20 years behind the times. Most people don't look at the church as like, oh, wow, it's a really cool, cutting-edge place. They look at the church as kind of old-fashioned, which is really sad to say, but knowing a lot of churches, 
And you've probably been in churches in your life where you're like, well, it is true about a decent amount of churches. I hope that that never is the case at our church, but I don't know what other people think of it. So either way, instead of the church being the foundation for our country or for our world, the church has become a place that is just irrelevant to many. Why is that? What happened? Because that wasn't always the case, at least not in our country. Now, we know what the, the values that our country was founded on, but that's not the values that our country still holds. So in, in my opinion, I believe that the church has really become self-centered, self-focused. Um, the church has become more focused on us and how people need to do everything our way because we know better, right? Now, if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and if we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then what that means is we believe that it is the best way to live life. And that is what I believe, 100%. But we become so frustrated with people who don't live the way that we expect them to live, or rather, I should say, the way that we want them to live, for their own sake. And so we can, we can be frustrated and think, well, all these people, they just don't get it. They just don't understand. And instead of us doing all that we can to reach people, we're doing all that we can to push them away by judging them. It's not helping our cause. It's, it's a difficult place to be in. But either way, a real difference maker doesn't wait for everyone to come to them. That's, that's not what a real difference maker does. A real difference maker goes and makes an impact. There's no way around it. Um, I shared this story yesterday. We, we, we had a, a, a pastor meeting. And um, years ago when, I, when I, played in a, I played in a band that was not good, uh, but I played in a band, and we would go to like different coffee houses or different churches and sometimes different bars and those sort of things. We played different places. And I remember us going to a church youth group and uh, they were having a, a concert and we showed up to play and we'd never been there before. I think it was on the Eastern Shore even, so um, there's not as many people over there anyways. But uh, we, we drove over and then we showed up and we, we were talking to people who were running the show. I don't know if it was a youth pastor or whoever it was. And uh, we said, well, how did you advertise for the show or the coffee house? And they said, we didn't. We're just going to let God bring people. And I was like, oh. You know how many people showed up? Maybe like a couple kids of the people who were running it, right? Nobody there. Because their mentality was, God's going to bring everybody. And let me say this. I believe that God can do anything. And I believe that God can bring anybody to it. Maybe God brought you here today by who knows what reason, right? But... That does not give us an excuse to sit on our butts and do nothing. That, that, that's not what that means. It's not, it's not like God says, hey, put your feet up. Let me do all the work. Hey, why don't you just sit here and I will bring the masses to you and you don't have to lift a finger. No, that's not, that's not what God says. God wants us along for the process. God wants us along for the, for the entire thing. And we are called to go and do, not sit and wait. Amen? If we're going to make a difference, we have to be active. We have to be intentional. So today, we're going to look at the life of a huge difference maker in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. He's one of my favorite guys in the Old Testament. And the story of Nehemiah is, is, is such a cool story because he was an Israelite. And during the, during the time that, that Nehemiah was, was alive... Um, their people, the Israelites, were in exile. So they, they were defeated by the Assyrians. 
who were then defeated by the Babylonians. They had taken them all captive. So at that time, when, when a nation would defeat another nation, what they would do is they would basically kill everybody or they would take the strongest, smartest, best people that they could, slaughter the rest, and then brainwash them into their way of living, their culture, to then make their nation stronger. And that, that's what was happening with the Israelites. The Assyrians defeated them. They capture a lot of people. They kill the rest. They destroy Jerusalem. They destroy their home. It's just a mess, right? And then the Babylonians do the same thing to the Assyrians. So Nehemiah, he's living as a cupbearer to, to, to an important person, right? He's living as a cupbearer. And what his job is, is to drink anything before he does so that if there's poison, Nehemiah would die and not, not him. Make sense? So he's living in this, in this way, and he hears about the state of his home, which is Jerusalem. He hears about it. And when he hears the state of his home, which has been totally just destroyed, and this was years before it had been destroyed, but he hasn't been home. And when he hears about this, he decides that he's going to make a difference. He decides that his heart is breaking for his home. And instead of just sitting there and doing nothing, he wants to change it. He wants to do something about it. But there's some important steps that, that he takes to do this and important lessons for us to learn. So if we want to make a difference, we've got to start in one really important place. We have to first recognize and then inspect the need. So Nehemiah hears about the state of his home. And it tells us in, in Nehemiah 1.4, it says, when he heard these things, I, when, or rather, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. See, Nehemiah's brother comes to him, Hananiah, and he comes to him with a report about their home, about Judah, which was not in a good shape. And Nehemiah's response is to just break down in tears. He's devastated. He's heartbroken. He's so upset. He's mourning over the state of his home. And when, when I look, I don't know about you, but when I look around at our world today, and, um, you know, we're, we're so close to Baltimore City, and I, I'm, I'm a Baltimore guy through and through. I grew up 10 minutes outside the city. I currently live 10 minutes outside the city. I go down to the city a lot. I love the city of Baltimore. It's, it's my home, and it's many of your homes. And you're living here now, so even if you didn't grow up here, it's your home now. And we know that there's difficulties in Baltimore. But not just there, it's difficulties in this neighborhood, in the, in, in the Oakland Mills area, right? There's difficulties all around us. But when I, when I think of Baltimore specifically, there are times where my heart just breaks for the state of our home. And a lot of us have gotten to a place where we say, you know what, Baltimore is a mess. It's terrible, so I'm just not going to go there. I'm just going to avoid it at all costs. Now, I'm not telling you to go down and put your life in danger, okay? I'm not telling you to go down into West Baltimore at night, walk around the street trying to evangelize. That's not, that's not what I'm telling you to do. But I am telling you, if your home is hurting, and if our response is, I'm getting away, it's probably not the best response. If our response is, uh, nope, no thanks, I want, I'm washing my hands of this, and we go the other direction, it's probably not the best thing to do. Now, you may say, how can I make a difference? What, what can I even do? I'm not standing up here saying that, that you need to be the savior 
of Baltimore or whatever neighborhood you're in or where, wherever you say. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, if your heart breaks for a place, what do you do about it? What's your, what's your response? Where do you go? See, looking at our world, not even just Baltimore, but our whole world today, I can understand the heartbreak that, that Nehemiah is going through. I mean, if your heart does not break for the state of the world around us, then there's something wrong. There's a, there's a huge problem. And I don't want to get to a place in my life where I become numb to the bad things around me. Where, where I just get to a place and just say, well, that's just Baltimore. That's just the way of life. Well, what can we do about it? And then I just go about my life like nothing. We become numb to it. I mean, there, I know many times we can just begin to accept things because we're used to things. The more that we're around something, the more we get used to it, the more that we accept it. As a kid, I was never allowed to say shut up. I don't know about you. That was like a big curse word in our house. If we said shut up, we were in big trouble, right? I was also not allowed to say sucks. No, that sucks. And we, could not, we couldn't say fart. We had to say stinker, okay, in our house. <laughs> You're laughing too hard. <laughs> right? But that was the way it was in my house. Now fart's my favorite word. I say it all the time, right? No, it's, not, it's not my favorite word. I'm, I, I'm your pastor. You should, that, I shouldn't give you that picture of me. But anyways, <laughs> we couldn't say those words. And then guess what? You get a little bit older, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's normal. And then you say it. And then there are more words that I'm not going to say up here on stage, but that, that you just get used to. And then there are more things where as a kid you're like, oh, you could never do this. And then you're around a little more, and then you're like, oh, maybe it's not as bad. Because we just get used to the things that we are around more and more and more and more. And we should never get used to hate, to evil, to destruction. We shouldn't. But we become numb to those things. Because it's, well, it is what it is. What can I do? We accept them. We can see pain, destruction, and hate so often that it's just normal. And I, I, I'm telling you that we should not accept this world for what it is. We should do all that we can to make it better. That's part of our responsibility as Christians, as people. This isn't even a if you're a follower of Jesus, if, you, if you're here today and you say, I don't even know if I'm a Christian, you should care about your home. And sometimes other people who aren't Christians do, better do a better job of caring about their home than Christians do. Because we like to retreat into our little monasteries. We like to retreat into our little homes. We like to get into our nice, pretty little churches. And we like to hang out there. And we like to, turn, we like to close the blinds, close the shutters, and turn off the radio and not pay attention to what's happening outside of our walls. We like our own little bubble where we're safe, protected, comfortable. We want nothing to do with all the bad stuff outside. And we become so scared of it that we just say, oh, I, I, I know nothing about it. So I'm going to stay away from it. And it's a problem, and it's not what God has called us to do. Because Nehemiah, he sees the need, he recognizes it for what it is. Then, do you know what he does? He travels back to Judah, and he inspects it. He inspects the need. He spent days surveying the wall, which is very important at that time. 
when you had a city, you had to build a wall around the city to protect you from other people. The wall was completely torn down, completely torn down. So he goes and he inspects the wall surrounding Judah. He looks at it. He spends time with it. He, and it wasn't just like, a, hey, let's just go for 20 minutes and look at it and then leave. He spent days because the city was in danger. He took the, the time to understand the problem that they, were, that, they were, that they were dealing with. Because if you want to make a difference in another person's life, you need to take time to learn about their life. You need to take time to, to build a relationship. We can't just waltz into somebody's situation and say, hey, here's what you do, X, Y, and Z. Boom, done, fixed it for you. It's not, that's not how relationships work. That's not how our world works. If we want to make a difference in our community, in this community specifically, in the Oakland Mills community, we can't just show up on Sundays and then leave. We have to be ingrained in our community. We have to learn about the needs. We have to talk to the schools. We have to talk to community leaders. We have to be invested in our home. And if we're not invested in our home, then we will never know the needs that our home has, let alone meet any of those needs. Take time to slow down, recognize, and, in, and inspect it. Christians are often criticized for not even knowing what we believe. For not even truly having a good grasp of the faith that we're claiming. And if we're going to make a difference for God, then we have to first be in tune with God. Who he is. Read his word. Inspect everything that he has laid out for us and then apply it in our lives. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you are doing nothing, nothing to further your relationship with Jesus, then you are being a bad witness to the people around you. There's no way around it. I can't say it any more bluntly than that. If you're not willing to put in the work that it takes to be a Christian, then you're being a bad witness to the rest of the world. Because if people know that you're a Christian, but you're not growing, you're not spending time with God, you're not reading his word, you're not changing, because we should change when we become a Christian, amen? We should change. There should, there should be a change. If we're not changing, if you're just the same person that you've always been, but now you just said, oh, hey, I have this label of a Christian on my life, but you're not doing anything about it, uh, that's a problem. Take it seriously. You've got to know your stuff. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be a theologian. It doesn't mean you've got to be a pastor. It doesn't mean you've got to go to school. But you should be praying. You should, you should be coming to church. You should be reading the Word of God. You should be serving you should be having discussions with other people that helps your faith grow. You should be doing those things because there's nothing greater than your relationship with God and the witness that you are to other people. So Nehemiah recognizes that there's a need. He goes and he inspects the need. He was preparing himself for what he needed to do to actually make a difference. And then do you know what else he was prepared for? He was prepared for opposition. He was, he was prepared for other people to attack. In Nehemiah chapter 4, there are surrounding nations and people around Judah. It says, when, when, when Sambala heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, Tobiah and Ammonite, who was at his side, say, said, saying, what they are building, even if a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. 
So Sambalath, he's an enemy of theirs. He doesn't want Judah to be rebuilt. That's not what he wants. And he's criticizing them. You know what he's saying? <laughs> they think that they're going to make a difference. They think that what they're doing is important. They think that they're, that they're saving their home. They're enemies of Nehemiah, and they're basically laughing in his face, criticizing him. I want to tell you something. Any time you plan to make a difference, expect opposition. Expect it. Be ready for it. If you're going to have an impact, there's going to be bumps in the road. And probably a lot more than that. If you're going to absolutely make a difference, you are going to receive opposition. It could be opposition from people. It could be opposition from situations. It could be opposition from technical difficulties on a Sunday morning when I'm trying to preach a message. It could be opposition from, I don't know, robots. It could be anything. It could be anything that opposes you. But somewhere along the way, there will be opposition if you're doing anything worthwhile. Get ready for it. And when it comes, we could do one of two things. We could go, oh my goodness, the world is just out to get me. I just want to do something good. I want to make a difference. And here it comes. Great. This is so difficult. This isn't worth it. And I'm just going to quit. Or we could say, I was waiting for this. And I'm ready for it. And I'm not going to let this slow me down. I'm not going to let this stop me from, from accomplishing the goal that I set out to accomplish. Do you have determination? Do you have discipline? Are you willing to be in it for the long haul to actually make a difference? Because any time we're making a difference, any time we're serving other people, it is a long process, and it's not easy, and it's not always fun. But do you understand the value in it? Because if you understand the value in it, you will deal with the opposition when it comes. But if you don't understand the value, if your motives are wrong, if you're only in it to look good to other people, then when difficult times come, you're going to quit. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. But if you recognize what's in front of you, things will change. See, when opposition comes, instead of viewing it as a bad thing, what we should do is recognize it for what it is, a good sign, a good thing. See, when, when we started City on a Hill six and a half years ago in, uh, in 2016, March of 2016, uh, there was a lot of opposition. I mean, it was just, it's just part of it. Uh, someone told me before I planted a church, church planting will bring out every insecurity that you have and throw it in your face. And I would go further and say pastoring will bring out every insecurity that you have and throw it in your face. And then I'll go even further and say ministering, which is every one of us in here who says, to be, says we're a follower of Jesus, you are a minister of the gospel. Ministering to other people will bring out every insecurity that you have and throw it in your face. It's, it's just because it's hard, because you're making a difference, and because the enemy doesn't want you to. The enemy is scared of the impact that you're going to make. So when you receive opposition, that's a good sign. If you've got no opposition in your life, that's a bad sign. Because what it says is you're just sitting on the sidelines. What it says is you're just sitting in your bubble. When opposition comes your way, that's a really good sign. So when we were um, uh, planting City on a Hill, when you don't have a church, um, what that means is you don't have people. So you have to reach out to people. So we decided uh, to, to mail out, it was like 5,000 postcards 
to the local area when we were over in Bella Springs. And uh, we ordered these, these postcards, spent a ton of money on them, um, and, uh, and we mail them out to everybody within like a 10-mile radius or something like that of the school. Um, and then what we had discovered was, until, and, we, and we didn't discover until they were already mailed because we had somebody living in that area, they were printed incorrectly, where all of our information was like basically impossible to read. It was like the picture was supposed to be centered, and it was like half, it, it was all messed up. Where they put like the, the, the postage was covering information, it was a mess. We got our money back, but that, we didn't care about that. The problem was, Thousands of people just received a postcard from this new church that's coming that looks like it has nothing together, right? It's a terrible first impression. First impressions are huge. It's a terrible first impression. And so I was all upset about that, right? Then the day before, or I don't know if it was the day or the week before, um, we, we had our first Sunday, which was Easter Sunday, March 27th, 2016. Many of you who are part of our launch team did this with us. We walked around in the neighborhood and we were knocking on doors, and we were inviting people to church. You guys remember that? You were part of that, right, Xander? I think so. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but anyways, um, that's what we did. We walked around the local neighborhood, just literally old school, knocking on a door, handing a flyer, inviting people to church. Um, and uh, it was difficult uh, because I don't know if you're like most people, but most people don't want you to knock on their door, right? And so we did this, and there was one person who didn't answer their door but was very upset that we knocked on their door. And um, I think she had a, a baby sleeping, which I totally get, totally understand. Like, if, when, if somebody knocks on the door and you wakes up a baby, I could kill somebody. Anyways, so um, I get her anger. And so she was very upset. And she never came to the door. Uh, but she got on Facebook and just wrote some terrible things about us. So we just had, like, two things, right? All these postcards that went out. I, was, I felt like before our first Sunday, I was like, I'm not cut out for this. I was already defeated. I was already like terribly nervous, really stressed out. And then all of these things don't feel like they're falling into place. It felt like everything was falling apart around me. And um, Pastor Kevin, who, who many of you know, um, he, he texted me something that I saved. I want to read to you. when Because um, when, I was texting back and forth with him. And, uh, and he, he, he's my mentor. He was coaching me, all those sort of things. And this is what he said. He said, hey. I just think the devil is working hard to keep this church from getting off the ground. First it was the mailing, and now it's knocking on the doors. I think something good is about to happen. So I remember getting that text the night before we had our first service. And then when he said it to me, I was like, I think he's right. Now here we are six years later with a great community of people, a great church around us, making a difference in the community around us. God's been working. It would have been so easy to quit. And guess what? It still would be so easy to quit. Just talk to our team that sets up every Sunday. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable all the time. It's fun being around people that we love, but it's work. And there are Sundays, Anthony, right, where we're like, oh, boy, this this sucks. This, this sucks. My mom's not here, so I can say it. <laughs> right? We get so frustrated. But when you make a difference, people are going to try to stop you. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to laugh at you. The devil will try to stop you. Situations will try to stop you. Hatred will try to stop you. Why? Because something good is about to happen. And not only did Nehemiah's enemies oppose him, 
His own people did too. They complained a lot. A lot. See, not just your enemies will create problems for you. Oftentimes, sad to say, but oftentimes the people closest to you will bring the most discouragement. And maybe it's because their opinion means more to you. Maybe it's because they, they're worried about whatever it is that you're trying to do. Maybe their heart's in the right place, or maybe it's not. I don't know. But it's, it's not just their enemies. It's the people in our own circle who can have a negative impact on us. But the bottom line is, if we're going to make a difference, if you're going to make a difference, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't, don't throw in the towel. When opposition hits you in the face, don't give up. When life throws you upside down, don't give up. When you feel like nothing in your life is working right, don't give up. And Nehemiah didn't give up. It says in chapter 6, so the wall was completed. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. See, when you keep going, when you keep pushing, when you don't give up, when you're willing to accomplish your goal, your enemies will be afraid. Why? Because they will know there's something special going on. And really, if they're not followers of Jesus or, or, Jesus, or if they don't believe in God, they won't recognize that God is with you. But that's what they're recognizing. God is with you. And the surrounding nations to Judah looked at Nehemiah and they looked at the Israelites and they were like, oh no, there's something happening here. They've got God on their side. They're doing big things and I think we're in trouble. That's, that's the impact that Nehemiah had and, and, on his home and then that's the result of his enemies looking at the impact that he had. So you want to make a difference? As a church, if we want to make a difference, see the need, be ready to fight, don't quit. Next week, we have an opportunity to literally put this into action. Literally put this into action. So I'm challenging you, our church, step up, make a difference. We we all want to be a part of a church that makes a difference. We don't all want to be the actual people making the difference. Follow me? We, it's nice to tell other people, oh, yeah, I go to this church, and, and we go down to Be More Caring. And they say, oh, what's that like? And then you're like, I don't know. I've never been. Oh, it, our church, we go and, we, and we, we bless the schools around us. Oh, really? How do you do it? I have no idea. I've got, I, don't, I don't play a part in it. Oh, our church does a serve week. Oh, what'd you do? I don't know. I didn't sign up for anything. We like the reputation of being a difference maker without actually do, doing the work to be the difference maker. So I'm challenging you. I'm challenging me. Let's step up. Let's make sure that this community, that our home, that our world around us knows who we are, not by what we say, but by what we do, by the impact that we have. My brother yesterday was talking about, about his church, and, and they did something that's so cool. And I'm going to invite the worship team up as I close with this story. And I was like, man, this is so cool. He, they, they're in Sykesville, and they get involved in um, the Sykesville Parks and Rec. And they're all about making a difference. Their, their, their mission statement is impact a church that makes a difference. That's, that's what they do. 
And, so, and they really do. They have a huge impact on their community. And they've been so involved in their community that there is a couple, a married couple, their names are Ian and Carrie, he said, um, that they're involved in their community. They're not Christians. They may not even believe in a God, but they want to make a difference in the community around them, which is a lot more than we can say about a lot of Christians in our world. But they, they are intentional on making a difference in the community around them. They saw Impact Church at all of these community events serving, 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 serving. Where they eventually developed a relationship with my brother, Eric. And they came to him and they said they've never stepped foot in his church. They've never been involved in anything outside of serving in the community. And they said, we love to donate to charities that are making a difference. Can we donate to your church? Even though we don't come to your church. Even though we have no interest in coming to your church. So literally people who don't follow Jesus are tithing to a church. I mean, it's unbelievable that this is the sort of impact that a church can have on a community. And if the world sees us as a place that is valuable to our community, then we're doing our job. So let's step up and make it so our community would be missing something if we weren't here. We're going to continue to talk about this all month, but next week is our opportunity to show it. So let's show it. Are you ready? You're willing to fight? You're not going to give up on me? Because I can't do it by myself. We got to all be in this together. Let's stand and let's sing.